Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman, a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty-gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, this podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Carla Welch, the incredible world-renowned celebrity stylist and founder of The Period Company. Carla Welch is a Los Angeles-based stylist and has been declared one of the most powerful stylists by both The Hollywood Reporter and The New York Times. Her collaborations with renowned fashion designers, major magazines, and countless celebrities have brought her accolades across the globe. She's worked with celebrities such as Justin Bieber, Olivia Wilde, and many more. She's also the founder of The Period Company, which she founded to bring safe period products to all of those who need them. The Period Company advocates for the prioritization and normalization of menstrual health by creating affordable and sustainable products, all while giving transparency into its materials use so that individuals can make an informed choice about the product that best suits them. Carla Welch knows no bounds and has built this incredible company with a nonprofit ideology through a community program where they work with organizations all over the world to make sure products get to those individuals who need the most. Over 80% of women who period experience period poverty. The period company products were designed to offer a cheaper and more affordable experience than pads and tampons, not to mention more sustainable by not filling up landfills with product or packaging. In this episode, we talk about what inspired her to launch this company and how she works with organizations all across the globe to be able to supply products to those who need the most. Carla, welcome to the podcast. It is truly an honor that you are here with me today. I'm so excited. You know, I've known you as a stylist forever. Ever since I started, I was like, if I could just meet her, she'd be the one. But you started off as a sommelier. Well, I started off as... (laughs) 
let's go earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I had seen Tequila Sunrise with Michelle Viper and um, Kurt Russell, and I wanted to be front of house of a restaurant. I was like, oh my god. Oh, and Mel Mel Gibson, of course. But like, I don't care about Mel Gibson. <laughs> I don't know why. And I wonder why. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, I want to run a restaurant. So I went to like cooking school to learn the back of the house. And then I went to food and beverage school. So I was like a maitre d', a waitress. I loved it so much. And then I just, it's just part of the whole process of being in this very robust restaurant. I got, became a sommelier, but just like level, levels of learning, which is very indicative to who I am. I think I'm like, Oh, I want to learn all the parts, the sums of everything. And have you always been like that? Like even when you were little, were you like that? I don't think so. I like when I was little, I was like, I was not like an ambitious kid. I was just a kid who was literally daydreaming and playing with my Barbies. Like I just, I was the youngest of four and I, my parents weren't, we weren't like scheduled at all. Although all my siblings, I think they just retired or broke when they got to me because all my siblings are like amazing athletes. <laughs> they all played on teams. They all are like really academic. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're pretty academically smart. And then I just came along and I was like, do, 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 do. And this is a party. <laughs> you know, I was probably a little bit rotten when I was a teenager, but I was just more introverted and like sol- solitary in a way, like really just did my own thing. But obviously that led you to this incredible career, which happened, you know, it's not that often, right? Where you see these people that have impact global trends, you know, huge clients. And so do you think that imagination or that quietness sort of led you into like a world builder, if you will? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a marvel even to me, but it, it's so funny to look back and I'm sure you feel the, the same way. I'm like, I'm in a cabin in the woods, everybody. That's why everything is very messy behind. I think that, you know, when you look at your career so far, I'm like, wow, how did, how did, how did this happen? But yeah, I think ultimately to being a little bit of a loner and being introverted and, but very nurtured, right. I have youngest of four siblings were very close, but maybe that made me a little more brave to kind of just be like, oh okay, I'm going to move to California. I mean, I've also moved for love yeah. because, you know, my husband came into my restaurant and I fell in love and I just was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to move to California. So yeah, I think so. I think being bored and daydreaming is the most important gift you could give your kid really and give yourself. I mean, we don't really get to do it anymore. And I'm trying to get back to that idea. I read something amazing the other day and this gentleman, he was retired and he said, you know, being able to control your time is luxury. And I was like, well, ain't that the truth? So yeah, it's the truth. I, I now force myself at night. I, I don't daydream my night dream right before I go to bed. I'll take like those 10 minutes before I fall asleep to just, just dream. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah I, I, I've had summers of it, you know, of just sitting in the woods and, you know, I grew up in a very, very small town. So you would naturally, I think, be bored a lot of times, what they call bored. But now I realize it wasn't necessarily bored. I was like super connected to the earth. So that's one of the greatest like gifts I've had in my life is to be really connected to nature and be able to just 
yeah, just let your mind wander. And yeah, that's where it all kind of happened for me. And I think what I have, and I know this is going to sound maybe a little privileged, but it's not, but I think I just kind of flowed. Like I wasn't that great at anything. That's ultimately what it came down to. But what I knew I was great at was being very, very hard worker. Like I never would say no to, I had a job at like a full on job after school every day from 14 on. And even before that at 11, I had a paper route that I had to do three times a week. So I, I wasn't smart or athletic or any of the things that I think make you be a standout in the traditional education system, but I could work really hard. And I loved, I loved that. Like I ultimately am like, I like being defined by my work because it fulfills me. So it's not some thing where they're like work class. And I'm like, no, I like working. Yeah. I feel like I very much identify with what you're saying because I wasn't the typical smart either, but I also knew I could work hard and I had the creative side, which clearly you have, which I want to get to. So, you know, in my research, your now husband, you met him, you, you took the risk, you moved to California for love. Then he says, I really hate these stylists. You know, tell me that story of how that beginning happened. Well, okay. So even backtrack and I, it's just, you know, life is funny. So I, in Canada, there was an amazing television show called Fashion File. I love Fashion File. Oh, see, a lot of Americans <laughs> don't know, but of course you would know, you know, with Tim Blaine. Oh, grew up what? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that to me, you know, it's for some people, it's all written, mapped out, right? Um, so I used to watch it and I was obsessed with it. Like I was obsessed with fashion as a child. Like my father had a men's work store. And when I say that, it was like a very small town store, but great. And I worked at the store my whole life, like kind of left that out if I was like, I had a paper route, but I actually worked at my dad's store like on the weekends as well as my other job. So I had all just this inherent love of fashion. And of course, like Tim introduced us to the supermodels and Mark Jacobs and Johnny Versace. So I was obsessed with fashion. So I think like the restaurant business was this little detour before I got back to what I always secretly wanted to do. But I didn't know that there was a place for me there because like, I was like, you know, you you think linearly, like you think, oh, I can't draw. So I couldn't never be a fashion designer. Or I, I don't even know what it entails. You know, I didn't know that, oh, I should make my way to New York City. Like I didn't, I didn't know. But right around the time when I was running the restaurant, that's when I think you really started to know, like all of a sudden the editors started becoming a thing and a little bit stylist, not yet in Hollywood, but you kind of, you, you saw that there was this job there. And, you know, I came down to the States, which was really you know, amazing, but hard because here I am, this person very defined by work and all of a sudden I didn't have a job and I couldn't work because I didn't have a green card and I, you know, was newly married and you know what that's like when you're in this new, new, new thing. And you're like, oh my God, I don't even have an identity anymore. So it was quite a crisis. And, and then I started actually assisting. I assisted like uh, the West Coast editor of Vogue. Somehow I got introduced to her, um, one of the junior sitting editors there, and I helped out there. And then I helped these two British stylists. And, you know, I wasn't a great assistant, which is my nature that I was like, I wanted to grab the bull by the horns sort of thing and um, do it myself, <laughs> which is quite bold now that I think about it. But maybe that's just, you know, time and place that y- you could actually 
literally do that. But yeah, Matthew had shoots, you know, and he had like small record packaging. And it's funny, I was like reading, you know, just comments once on Instagram. So it's like, you had a husband who was a famous photographer. I'm just like, in what world? <laughs> you know, it didn't, you know, of course I got to step up, but of course everyone, it's just like, oh, people, you know, you don't have to tear everybody else down. It just, trust me, it's, I'm like a 30 year success story and probably longer. So yeah, so Matthew had a needed a stylist for a job and you know the person he had kept fucking up and he's like, "Well, I can't give you the job." And he's like, I was like, "Well, let me pitch myself to the label." And I did and and it kind of just went from there and then I just really again, like anything I have ever done in my life, I'm just not afraid to ask questions and ask for a little bit of help and ask how this works. Like I would go into, you know, the Bloomingdale's and say, Hey, I've never done this before. I need to pull some clothes. Can you explain to me how this works? And, and then I think another one of my superstar skills is that I know how to hire really good people and I know how to build really great teams, um, which, which I'm only recognizing now as I tell like, you know, a little bit of a story and I look back on my career, but you know, I hired this amazing assistant, Ashley Sinclair, who I'm so grateful to because she had been like a professional, she's a professional assistant and she's an assistant costume designer now. And she's wonderful and has twins. And, but she really, I learned from her. She was like, okay, this is the tailor we use. And these are all the, all the elements that come together. So it was kind of incredible. And she was with me for years. And then, you know, my next assistant was with me for 10 years. And so I love having, you know, great people I work with and rely on and collaborate, but you know, that's something that I'm proud of too, that I've been able to, you know, employ a lot of people for long periods of time and, you know, and then send them on their way to become, you know, stylists if they want or whatever they want to do. But, you know, I don't know if that answered it. So it wasn't overnight, but it was kind of exciting. I mean, it never is overnight, right? Never. Everyone thinks it's going to be overnight. You just said 30 years. I'm on 18 years of overnight success. Right. So, it, you know, it takes it takes that hard and long work to like right. even just have that apparency. Totally. And, and just the stress of your name on the door, right? Like, you know that. It's not your employee's name or your assistant's name. Ultimately, it, it all comes down to you, which is which is a lot. It's a lot sometimes. Yeah. Well, it's, it comes down to you and, and then the people that are, you know, feeding their families on, on you, right. That are depending on you as well, which I know for me hit me many years ago. And I was like, there are a hundred people depending on me for de- feeding their kids or whatever it was. Yeah. I was like, Oh shit, that's not nothing. <laughs> it's not, that is a lot. Yes. So I want to talk about your, you have this incredibly successful styling career. You've worked with Justin Bieber, St. Vincent, Camilla Cabello. I mean, the the names that you and people you and talent you've worked with are incredible. And then I watched you branch out and you did a collaboration and I felt like I had to have everything you came out with, whether it was a Haynes or a Levi's or oh. whatever it was. I was like, oh my God, I need that too. So I'd love to talk through your expansion of that and how you sort of thought through that. And then I want to talk about your latest baby, the period company. I, you know, okay. So on the collab front, I feel like it's so interesting. And I, and I know that probably a lot of females like kind of suffer from this thing where we get not, and it's not suffer is not the right word, but like we get really 
in the fashion industry, in the entertainment industry, at least the creative world that I work in, you kind of get siloed. And so your wardrobe, your stylist, and you know, you're involved with all of this stuff of making an image and, and really helping your talent in my case, celebrities, right. You know, and the list is, yeah, I mean, I probably have 25 clients right now and they're all wonderful. And I, I love working with all of them, but like, you're so such a big part of their process and their of bringing their vision to your vision and their vision, but bringing their image to life. And I remember feeling, and sometimes I still feel this way where you're like, yeah, I'm bringing more to it than just a dress. And, and don't get me wrong. I love bringing the dresses. Like I love a beautiful moment. It's so much fun. And, and like you said before, like you shift a trend. It's so exciting. And that I just realized I was like, you know what? I need to be able to do more than just that. I can't just think that for the next 20 years I can pull clothes and I have to branch yeah. and branch out. But it was more of like, it wasn't that I was a panic, like thinking, okay, I've got to do something else to prepare for the next step. It was more of that. I felt, you know what? I, I have something creative inside of me and maybe I never felt that I could ever admit that, like, or even call myself a creative because I identified so much as a worker, like here are the tasks I'm going to do and get it done. But then I was like, and, you know, being married to an artist too, who's a trained artist, right? Who went to school and is actually super talented. I didn't want to say, oh, I'm a creative too, because I, you know, can mix like a, a striped shirt with a pair of jeans. Like, but I felt like I had something else in me. And so I was like, you know what? I don't want to stay in that one lane. And I didn't want to call myself a designer or a creative director but I wanted to do more. And so we started with, you know, this idea I was making t-shirts for Justin is exactly how the Haynes collab and the ex Carla stuff started. I was like, Oh, I'm going to make some t-shirts. And I was like, Oh, I bet you like people might want to buy these t-shirts because, you know, we would make these long t-shirts and everybody would make fun of them. And then like six months later, you'd see them on the floor at Barney's. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to make something like affordable. So like most people can afford it. And oh, why don't I make myself a couple t-shirts? And that's how we we launched. And I remember it just not being a thing for stylists to do. You know, it really, I think I was one of the real first kind of, I guess, I don't want to call myself a bigger stylist, but a bigger stylist who all of a sudden the brands were coming to me instead of the talent. And so it was so exciting and it was a lot of work and a ton of mistakes, but just really helped build kind of this other world for me, you know, and it led to Levi's and then it led to express and it led to like my own line of just being like a bit of a maker. And, and for me, one of the most kind of the parts I loved the most was really getting to tell and control the whole story, like from picking the models, from how it was shot to like working on the shoots, not just as the person running in and fluffing the dress, but being like, oh, I want the hair like this and the makeup like that. It felt like everything that I had learned again, like just back at the restaurant, like everything I'd learned from your ears, all of a sudden I got to put all in one place. And, you know, I got to do it with Matthew and we still work together a ton just on consulting jobs now with brands that I, I work with. But yeah, it was so much fun. It was so fun to get to tell a different story of what 
I want it to do. You know, I guess it's like I got to do myself what I do for my clients. Yeah. But it was really like I felt awesome. And I, and I actually feel like I laid a, a roadmap for other stylists to do. And for because brands weren't looking at stylists to do, you know, of course, Rachel. So who like really created our gave us such a huge platform, right? For styling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's the OG and she did it. She did a lot earlier, but like there hadn't been the next kind of generation. And now it's really like, you know, it's, it's common for stylists to have stuff. And I don't need credit, but I like to be like, you know what? Actually, I did do it first. And I had so much fun doing it. And there's, you know, more coming. And, and, and on the flip side, you know, I also used it as a real tool for like social activism because I'm obviously very politically active from a verbal point. Mm-hmm. And of course, I have lots of behind the scenes stuff, but I use my, so my, you know, Instagram platform in, in pretty big ways that, a lot of people hadn't yet done. And, you know, all my collaborations had a real tie in for, you know, whether like the Levi's one, Levi's ended up committing like a million dollars to gun safety. And, and, you know, the Haynes had a total give back to what did we do? I don't know if we did Black Lives Matter or Planned Parenthood, but, you know, everything has this activist component to it. So I got to leverage like whatever I had in order to like, you know, ultimately get money to people who needed it to do their work. Cause it's not like I'm like, you know, lobbying for gun laws, but I could certainly get money to people who are lobbying to gun, for gun laws. So it was like, it was so rewarding to create this model that hadn't be created. And then to also look at myself and say, yeah, I'm more than just that lane that I have been put in, which was so like, really, it's really fulfilling. And exciting. And of course there's tons of heartbreak and tons of like, like not sleeping at night and thinking, Oh my God, did I really need to create a t-shirt brand? And now I have all these t-shirts and I've got to sell them and yikes. But yeah, in the end, it's still great. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously. And 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. you said a couple of things that I want to touch on in that. And the first one is, you know, I have a very dear friend who, because she didn't go to culinary school, she'll never call herself a chef. Right. You know, you said you didn't go to school traditional route, so you didn't want to call yourself a creative, but then you went through this whole process of creating a, you know, a brand of yourself, Mm -hmm. all these creative offshoots of clothing, you know, um, all these other products having gone through that process, do you allow yourself 
to think of yourself in that way now as a creative director? Or then what do you think of yourself as? I, I think I do, but I am very, and you know, it's that's so funny on your friend, but like also, you know, I would imagine that was a woman too, but like, and it's a certain generation of us, right? Whereas like, you know, a lot of, yeah. And it, and there's the pendulum, right? When the, when all of a sudden everybody had an iPhone and everyone's a photographer, it's like, Mm -hmm. no, you still have to put in the work to get there. But what I think I am is that I'm really well-rounded and I'm skilled in a creative sense. Like I still am like, and I'm open to like learning. Like I don't walk out and say, yeah, I'm a creative director or I'm this and that, but I guess I am. For sure. Yeah. And, and I, but you know what it is inside. I, I feel like good about it. So, and I'm, you know, older now and marginally wiser and, but more confident that I don't have to say, well, I, I do all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I just know that I have, and that I have the skills of like, okay, wow. Yeah. I did set that business up, you know, with, with, with my partner, of course, with my husband who, you know, is the best support system, but yeah. Yeah. I know. It's that, that's the thing, right? It's definitely generational. Yeah. I, I felt like I didn't go to school, but I felt fine calling myself a designer. But then people, some designers are like, well, I'm not an artist. And I'm like, but it is an art. It's an art. You're creating something, you know? Yes, of course. So I was curious there. Yes. So to kind of answer it. Yeah, of course I, I do. I feel like, but you know what? I even look back like five years ago and I was like, oh man, I bring so much more value now, even from five more years of experience. So I feel like in a way that I don't need like a traditional label, but I, I feel like I just build value with everything I do and, you know, and value to myself, but then value to my, like, to my, to my clients and to what I bring out to the world. Like, you know, so I guess it's that. Yeah. And so now the curious part, Mm -hmm. you have logical extensions of stylists to then products and then you launched this new company. So I'd love to hear about what inspired you to launch it and you know what kind of got that started and tell every everyone listening what it is. Yes, talk about a detour. <laughs> I say, yeah, detour. Yeah, but really talk about for me um just where my purpose lies. And I really believe in, in what's interesting, just to backtrack a tiny bit, or what's interesting to me, I, I don't know if it's interesting to literally anyone else, but I had this, um, and I'm, I don't know if you know who Angela Manuel Davis is, no. the soul cycle, she was a soul cycle instructor back okay. in the day. She isn't anymore. She's, a motor, she's not just, she's a coach. She's an athlete, but she happened to be an instructor at soul cycle. And, and when I say like happened, like Jay-Z and Beyonce were in the class every oh my day, God. like she this like LA icon who is this motivational speaker in a way. And my life changed going to her, you know, all of a sudden I started in her little back row and then years later I'm in her front row and it doesn't matter what row you were in, but you went to church with her mm-hmm. and she really, you know, actually I give like most of my credit besides my husband to Angela Cause she was like, don't be afraid to be great at something and don't be afraid to have purpose and to like, she's like, your why needs to make you cry and all these like isms that, you know, and you're also working harder than you've ever physically worked in your life in your class. Cause she's like an Olympic athlete. But <laughs> so I recommend any of your listeners to check her out, but she really, um, just changed my brain in being like, 
in a way of like going for it and not living just like, oh yeah, no, 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 you know, which is so like mothering of us and female of us to say, oh yeah, I'm fine. But no, she was like, no, no, go for it. And, and you've got this and like show your shine. And, uh, so somewhere along the lines, I was, you know, I had, I have a, I have a son, but you know, my son, I have a trans son. And at when Clem got his period, it was really early and 10. And he was at that time, you know, he hadn't told me yet that he was a trans and the period came and, oh my God, I was a disaster. I was not, I mean, I wasn't like, I talked about it, of course, but I wasn't like prepared in any sort of way that I personally feel like I should have been. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like, ah, ah, here. And there was all these crazy emotions happening because I didn't recognize, you know, changes that were happening in Clem's life as well. But it was a disaster just logistically. Here is this 10 year old with their period who's a child and pads were a mess. It's not like you're going to give your 10 year old a tampon and I knew that there was period underwear in the market, but I was like, it's not good. It's so ridiculously expensive. Like, I don't know what to do. Of course I bought a couple pairs, but I'm like, this isn't even a great, um, this isn't a good plan. Mm-hmm. And at the same time I was looking at my own period and I was like, oh man, this is so much waste I'm creating. Like it was really bumming me out because you know, period products don't go anywhere. They're all on the planet. The very first one your grandmother used is still here. Like oh, it's Lord. And there's, oh my God, listen, we could talk for 20 hours on it. <laughs> Just, it won't be a thrilling podcast because a lot of people aren't that interested in it. But when you actually break it down, you're kind of, you kind of are, think it's kind of amazing. And then, so, so essentially I was like, I need my child's period to be easier. Because I also like saw myself losing my kid, like that they were going into this place of, and you know, there were other things, the trans part of it really contributing, but you're a lot of kids light gets diminished when they get a period. And it's because we've been told our periods are shit by society for the last thousand years. I'm not even thousand years, maybe 200 years. But Mm -hmm. so a light bulb went off in my head just, and it was the exact same light bulb when I was like, oh, I should make t-shirts. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to make period underwear. And instead of it being $40, I'm going to make it like $10 so that anybody can have access to it. And that every mom can make sure their kid doesn't have a shitty period because I am like fucking up here right now. And it is going to have consequences in a, in a way that I don't want it to have consequences. And, and so I knew how to make stuff, right. Cause I had already had all the fuck ups and successes of having a t-shirt company and manufacturing and, and bringing something to market. So I had learned again. So here I am again, like I'm on a wheel of repetitiveness in my life. I had learned all this stuff and I was like, okay, I know how to do it better now. And I know how to do it smarter. And I know exactly where I want to be with this. And then just pure kind of magic. I reconnected with a friend I had met a decade earlier and she's this amazing marketing creative director, genius, this incredible writer. And she had just started bringing impossible 
meat to life. Uh, and she said, Ooh, this project sounds really amazing. Cause she's like, you can't just have a product. She's like, you've got to tell a story. And she's like, why don't we completely tell the story of periods, not being a burden, but being a superpower like they are. And why don't we just completely change 300 years of people telling us we should hide it and be ashamed of it and not love it and actually encourage people to have a relationship with their period. And so that's what we did and that's what we're doing. And it's kind of wild. And, you know, all of a sudden I could send my kid to school and they were not stressed out because I had a pair of underwear on. And then I was wearing them and I was like, wow, you know what? I never, and I tease my mom all the time. I was like, my mom didn't even, I had to dig out pads under the bathroom sink. And, and, and the thing is I'm the norm, right? Most of us didn't have great period experiences in our lives and half of the planet gets a period. And how could this be? How could this, you know, it's just another form of the patriarchy and then the advertising systems coming in just to make us feel really shitty because we all, majority of people felt shitty about their periods and it's just a joke. We shouldn't have to. So, so that's the big journey we are on and it's kind of just amazing. And I feel like the, you know, when Angela was always like the, why should make you cry? Like I was like, Oh my God, that's my purpose in life is to change the way the world periods. And actually then it, we were really starting as like this environmental brand, like let's get rid of the period waste, like 4 billion tons in the United States alone a year. That's gross. That's so much waste. But then what it happened was we launched and all of a sudden we were like, oh my God, 80% of the world, 80% of the people in the world who have a period don't have access to products. So we realized we had to really shift in a really fast way. And we created this mission vertical and the mission isn't the right word because we don't want to seem like we're like these white saviors. But essentially what we do with our mission vertical is we get product in the hands of whoever needs it and we do it at cost. So, you know, cause we're, we're this small, we're still a small, small business. I don't have the resources to just give away underwear, mm-hmm. but I could just, just do it where there's no value to anyone. Right. And so, and we work with funders and we work with organizations all over the globe and we've almost, and we donate as well, but you know, we're just getting product out there in the world and we've done over a million pairs holy shit since we've won yeah three years ago and it's so funny because i had an advisor being you know what wait till you get further along and then you can create a fund or wait till you get acquired or this and that and i was like well what would be the point of it like we really look at ourselves as a new next generation company that we don't have to like follow those old patterns and these old rules Or I'm like, no, I'd rather just like some people are like, how can you charge so little? It's like, it's easy. You just make less. Right. Like it's not, it isn't rocket science. Like I would rather make sure 10 people had period underwear than sell one pair at an inflated price. Like, come on. Like this is a, this is a, an item that could end period poverty globally. Like it's hard for people to realize. So period poverty, just for people listening is when people don't have access to sustain not sustainable just any sort of period care and what happens is like when i saw my kid just kind of getting lost you don't go to school you don't go to school right. you quit sport right you you have this 
the shame you carry, you know, it's in America alone, it's the first expense a household gives up before food, right? So can you imagine being a mom and you have a couple daughters and you can't afford to give them period care? Can you imagine like, Rebecca, what that would be like to like, in our own lives, if you couldn't get, you just couldn't do it. So you use and and globally, you, you know, people are using like trash and, or they're using one pad, they're whole period. It's just, and it's an epidemic and it's a human rights crisis and it's so solvable. And, you know, there are huge conglomerate brands out there in the world who are like, we'll donate a thousand pads. Well, a thousand pads means sweet fuck all. Sorry, but it doesn't. (laughs) They're garbage. And, but you know what, we can give someone for less than like at our cost. I mean, we can give someone for like $20 five pairs of underwear and then their periods taken care of for like at least five years. Yeah. You know, longer. So like there's a way to end period poverty and that that's what we're going to do. I love that. And I love that you are so focused on it. And, you know, I, I think that the effect that you're going to create and are creating has ripple, ripple effects that other people see and say, you know what? you know, hopefully other, other people get on board with this because it is never talked about. There is so much shame associated with it. Oh my God. For real. I'm curious. What was one, one or more surprising things you learned? And then I realized we're going, we're going over what I told you time-wise, but what did you learn that shocked you in terms of here you are, you know, not even saying styling is an easy job and launching products and being a designer or creative director is an easy job, but then you go into the business, right? And there's margins and sustainability and mm-hmm. you know, all the crap, right? That goes with that. Yeah. But what is something that sh- shocked you in that process? Oh man. I mean, just the stress level, like <laughs> you have to give it out to entrepreneurs, right? Like mm-hmm. you and people don't really have a clue. And I didn't have a clue. Just even understanding supply chain. Like when COVID hit, right? All of a sudden you're like, oh, wow. We're all really dependent on each other to get a, to get something from, you know, beginning to, to end to market. But I think like the one thing that surprised me in a good way is how willing people are to embrace an idea. Mm-hmm. Just like, on period here, like how, and then on the flip side, how not willing they are. So it's like, and just how open people can be and willing to like talk about things, but then how on the flip side, people are like, why aren't you doing this, this, and this? And the people who are on your Instagram or your customer service who are like bitching at you have never run a business in their life and are never going to run a business in their life. And so that loud voice you, you mean you have to kill them with kindness, but I'll never complain to anybody about anything. I mean, unless it's like really worth complaining about, but I'm like, oh my God, you have to give people so much grace because it's so hard to run a business. And I, and I think too, like along the way of having these businesses is how quickly men overlook you. <laughs> You're just like, wow. You really don't think, and and I think this is again like where I talked before about just being siloed into one thing. Like I remember I was talking about like 
what social media impact I could have because I'm very grateful that, you know, I have so many clients that help amplify the projects I do. And some guy was like, Ooh, how did this business get all of that? And it's like, yeah, cause I'm the CEO of the business. You know, like you don't, sometimes that thing where you don't get taken seriously of like, oh, you're, you're still just that. I think it's like, for me, still that challenge of still being a little siloed, that can be a little bit annoying. Like, like I've created like multi-million dollar companies, but oh, you're still that red carpet stylist. Right. And, and, and it's totally like, okay. And I'm so thankful to get to talk so much about period with you. Cause a lot of people don't want to talk about periods. They're like, oh yeah, sure. Come on this TV show. Can you give us six fall trends? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Turtlenecks, jeans, this and that, but they don't want to talk about periods. So for me, that's like, wow, you don't want to talk about a crisis that affects half the planet, but it's indicative of the mountain we're scaling, right? Or the mountain we're taking dynamite to. Yeah. Because we just have to kind of, we just have to kind of keep changing it. But I think that's, you know, the whole concept of, of not being recognized for kind of what you're doing is, can be annoying, I guess, but not surprising. Yeah. It's like, or that you have business acumen. Like, don't you find that too? Like you're super creative, but that you've run these, these pretty remarkable businesses. Right. And it's like, you're like, ah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's that we're supposed to be put into a mold. Right. Yeah. And you're just supposed to be good at one thing. And yeah. I don't want to get all like, oh my God. And Barbie, when America said that, you know, monologue, but I yeah. like got teary, not to sound cheesy, but I was like, yes. We've been put into these impossible molds, you know? No, 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 no. I mean, that monologue's a crowd pleaser because it's the truth. Right, right. So I, I think it's amazing that you've broken the mold, you're out of the mold, and you're changing and making the world better for 50% of the population, which is exceptional. So, or, you know, or even 100%, because the more men and boys know about periods, the better it's going to be for the people who period. That's true. That's true. So where can people find out about where to buy products, where to order them, all, all the things and places to go? You can go to period.co, C-O, so the word period.co, and we're actually at Walmart's nationwide. Nice. Yeah. So before I let you go, there's two questions I ask all my guests. Okay. What is something we'd be surprised to know about you that maybe you haven't shared before? <laughs> Besides the fact that you're in a cabin somewhere, you have the glamorous, most glamorous life and you're in a cabin. Yes. <laughs> Which I love. I love the dichotomy of that. But anything, anything you feel comfortable sharing that would be surprising? Um, I mean, I think that like I'm painfully shy is something like that I constantly have to work on. And it's so hard in the fashion industry because it's so intimidating and it's like, even though like, actually I think the fashion community is so incredible and the more you get to know them, the, the better and amazing we are, but like that, I kind of always just felt like such an outsider, but that I'm okay with it. I, maybe that's a little bit of my superpower is being a little shy outsider, but, uh, yes, I'm, I'm pretty painfully shy. So that's one thing. Would have never. Okay. Yeah. And then my last question is, is there a piece of advice you've either learned the hard way or someone gave to you that was actually helpful that you'd like to pass on? Oh my God. I hate hard lessons, but there are, there are a lot of them. Oof. You know what? I feel like finding 
a mentor and building your community. Like that's one problem for myself. I know like, because I could be really isolating to my own self and that I shied away from community and I wish I hadn't, like, I wish I had a bigger community now. And thanks to social media, like that's one thing I love about social media is that you actually can have an authentic community if you put the work into it. But I feel like even your peer mentors are really important to have and people you have that you can talk to. And one thing I am realizing and learning and being able to experience with the period company is that, you know, as we grow and you have more eyes on you, I am having access to mentors that are really being helpful to just to have a, a sounding board with. And, and I've been able to do it for people too, which is so wonderful to like, sometimes you just need someone to vent to and to tell them what you're scared of. And I think not hiding what you're scared of is a really important thing because there's people out there who have the answers like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like the direct to consumer, the numbers are low. Okay. And then they might give you some advice of, how to work around it. So, and it's with, it's really with anything, but, you know, building your community and finding like that one person or a couple of people who you can really be vulnerable and, and share your great news with, but also share your, your fears with is super important. Great. Well, thank you again. I thank you so much for having me. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithms. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Mikoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again, and you will hear from me next week.